the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. I'm Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. Holly, it has oh, been. No! <laughs> it's like. I don't know. When did we last record, even? I mean, it was before Easter. Wow, that's nuts. That's so crazy. I have missed you so much. I have missed you, too. I like, even though we actually got to see each other in person like two weeks ago. Yeah. But we haven't recorded forever. Forever. Basically for an entire liturgical season. Listen, <laughs> I know that there are at least 12 people out there who have been anxiously awaiting this return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve might be, you know, like ten more than are actually anxiously awaiting. Our <laughs> That's true. But but regardless, we're back. We are back, and we are so excited to be back. We've made a few little format changes that we hope you guys will like. But as always, we want to know what you think. So um, feel free to hit us up on the tweet bot. And uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Send compliments to me and uh, critiques to Holly. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> the critiques will be forwarded then straight to Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life as seen through the lens of the Collect in the Book of Common Prayer. This week, we're going to talk about the Collect for Trinity Sunday. Brendan and I did talk about this two years ago on the show, but... Spoiler alert, we were not able to unravel the mystery of the Trinity in our 20-minute podcast. (laughs) I know. I'm so disappointed in us, Holly. I really am, too. I mean, if there was one thing that I thought we might accomplish in this show, it's solving a thousand-year-old mystery. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose we can take comfort in the fact that Trinity Sunday has been a thing for like, I don't know, 600 years or something along those lines. Yeah. And Trinity Sunday sermons are still routinely littered with heresies. Littered with heresies. And that's coming from me, like the most heretical person ever. Right, right. Well, uh, (laughs) we've got a quiz coming up that's going to play to your strengths. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray! But since we are repeating this collect, uh, and you've heard it before if you're a longtime listener of the show, we're going to mix it up on you. All right, we are we are going out on the edge and breaking out the right one collect. Ooh, ooh. Holly, wouldst thou read it? Verily. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this collect canst be found on page 176. Of ye old book of common prayer. Right. <laughs> Ye old parchment. Almighty and everlasting God, who hast given unto us thy servant's grace by the confession of a true faith, to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of thy divine majesty to worship the unity. We beseech thee that thou wouldst keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see thee in thy one and eternal glory, O Father who with the Son and the Holy Spirit livest and reignest, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Implicit in this collect is the idea that we are only able to believe in the Trinity through the grace that God has given us to believe in the Trinity. Yeah. You know, this is my beef with uh, right one language, is that I have spent 
longer than I should have trying to unwind the phrasing to figure out like what is this actually trying to tell me (laughs) like are we saying who hast given unto us thy servant's grace by the confession of a true faith so are we saying there uh, we have been given grace because we have confessed because we believe I don't know what does the right two version of this prayer say (laughs) (laughs) yeah good question let's see um, oh, yeah. The right to version is not helpful. Son of a... It has the same phrase, by the confession of a true faith. Huh. Yeah, I, I wonder, actually, if this is actually an implicit smackdown to <laughs> the various other heretical conceptions of the nature of God. Hmm. So, Maybe so. So you could read it like, Almighty and everlasting God, who hast given us unto us thy servants grace by the confession of a true faith unlike you heretics, to acknowledge Word. the glory of the eternal trinity, etc. Like, it, it's it's shade throw-in. Yeah, I think that's what's happening here. I hear you. I was, I was also just checking my hatchet to see if he could shed any light on this topic, but hatchet's notes on this prayer are all about the part after the... Um, what's that called? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. The, the attribution. Hatchet's parts are all about the we beseech thee. Okay, so what does Hatchet say about that stuff? Just that it it got changed a whole lot. Um, well, first he says that, that the original version looked a lot like this, and then sometime in the Middle Ages it was changed to be addressed to the Trinity and not to the Father. Mm. And then it got changed back. And then the part about this faith and worship, it used to just be this faith, and then it was added this faith and worship. And there also used to be a clause in there, keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and defend us from all adversities. Hmm. So that got taken out. Okay. Nothing about this little confession of a true faith piece, but that's okay. I can get, I can move past it. I can leave it as a question. The rest of it, like you said, I mean, we're basically saying God... Help us keep believing in you. Right, right. I do actually like the fact that the and worship was added because that is important. (laughs) And let's be honest, I often need prayers to continue being steadfast in my worship life. Well, and the other thing that I think about this is that at my parish and many others, not all parishes, we actually bow at the invocation of the Trinity. So if you say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, there's a lot of people in my parish who are going to bow down when that happens, including me. Uh One of the things that I appreciate about that is that uh, nobody in my parish would necessarily say that they uh, completely understand the Trinity, but we sort of accept it as a great um, mystery uh, that we that we do worship. So, you know, there's that. Now, I understand the Trinity perfectly because I'm going to preach on it this Sunday and everybody's going to be amazed. And Trinity Sunday sermons will basically be, you know, they'll choose my sermon first. And if they just want to be original from time to time, they'll read the Athanasian Creed to spice it up. Would you tweet a link to this amazing, mind-blowing, game-changing sermon when it happens? Yeah, I totally need to write it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, Holly, you've seen this on Facebook, but I literally have a... Because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to accidentally be a heretic on Trinity Sunday. I bought this book, The Oxford Handbook of the Trinity, which is 600... 
29 pages long of miscellaneous essays about the Trinity, which I will say are of highly variable quality. There's uh, some great stuff in here, and there is some absolute dreck. Well, I think it sounds amazing, and I hope you just get up there and read all 600 pages of this book. Uh, Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty great idea. Episcopalians love long sermons. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if we've given you much fodder for sermon prep, but I think the the collect itself is, is a fairly straightforward, other than that one little mysterious clause thing that I see that's happening doctrinally about this collect, which doesn't really attempt to explain the Trinity, but it does repeat several times, or it repeats twice, this language about the Trinity, so the threeness of God, but also the oneness of God. So we have to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and to worship the unity. And then we also have in the mediation, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit livest and reignest, but one God forever and right. ever. So it's a reaffirmation of, of that core principle without trying to explain how it actually works. Fair enough, because not even these guys could explain the Trinity. We just have to accept it. And, and Hatchet is like totally blowing past it by just talking about how the prayer has been revised instead. He's trying to, to wave his hands and distract us. <laughs> like, hey guys, look over there. What? <laughs> Okay, Holly, I I told you in advance that you needed to get prepared, brushing up on your heresies, although I know you you never really need to do that. No, I don't. I am am heresy-full at all times. Since heresy is your specialty, I think it is a time for a pop quiz on heresies about the Trinity. Are you ready? I think so. Are we we playing my theme song here? Uh, Yeah, of course. Holly's heresy. Okay, I think I'm ready. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a list of Trinitarian heresies. I'm just going to give you the names of them. And then I am going to describe each one and ask you to identify the heresy. Uh, so are you ready for the list? Yes. Okay, and, and, and write these down, okay? so Okay. Th- th- there are five. Okay. So the first one is Malchizedekianism. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Patripassionism. Okay. Pneumatomachianism. Okay. All right. Uh, Valentinian Gnosticism. Uh huh. And everybody's favorite Trinitarian heresy, modalism. Okay. Which heresy is the belief that Christ and Jesus were a divine being and a human being only temporarily united, and that Christ departed Jesus' body prior to the crucifixion? This heresy was a major focus of St. Arrhenius' best-selling volume, Against Heretics. Was that, a, was that a New York Times bestseller? So it was like the year 200. It was probably like the Alexandria Times bestseller list or something. Okay, so I'm going to guess Patripassionism. I am sorry, Holly. Uh, it was Valentinian Gnosticism. That was my second choice! <laughs> Do you know why I chose Patripassionism? Why? Because I thought if Christ departed before the Passion, then the word Passion is in there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a hint. Uh, paying attention to the etymology will help you out uh, as this quiz progresses. Okay. Um, although it didn't help you that time. No, not at <laughs> all. 
The popular gender-neutral formulation of the Trinity, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, accidentally, but with the best of intentions, strays into this heresy, which identifies the persons of the Trinity as particular modes, faces, or roles taken on by the one God, who can manifest in whatever way God pleases. Holly named that heresy. Modalism. Woohoo! That is Woo! correct. <laughs> Next one. Okay. This heresy is the belief that Melchizedek was an incarnate form of the Holy Spirit. Melchizedekianism! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> How on earth did you get that one, Holly? It's tough. It was tough, guys. <laughs> Like that, I said, I'm a heretical scholar. That one was really obscure for me. Yeah. I had never heard of that one before. Me either. Okay, next one. This heresy is the belief that the Holy Spirit is a creation of Jesus, serving both the Father and the Son. The section of the Nicene Creed asserting that the Holy Spirit is worshipped and glorified with the Father and the Son is a refutation of this heresy. With that be new motto Machianism? It would be. <laughs> okay, and so that leaves the last one. Uh-huh. Which is the belief that Jesus and God the Father are one and the same, meaning that God the Father suffered on the cross. Patripastianism. That is correct. Yay! See, that's the one where the etymology... I, I yes. didn't consider the fact that the etymology of this one might have misled you on the Valentinian Gnosticism one. Hmm. It's okay. But, it's okay. you know, you got an 80% on a heresy quiz, which... That's pretty dang heretical, if you ask me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so now I think I'm going to take a break to bask in my success, because, Brendan, I think you've lined up a musical interlude for us. This is Amazing Grace with vocals by Presently Laura, remixed by Robert Cavaco, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Robert Cavaco's music at soundcloud.com slash R-O-C-A-V-A-C-O. Rocavaco. Rocavaco. <laughs>
Voices of the People Profiles, an exclusive Collect Call report by Adam Trambley. This episode of Prayers of the People Profiles, sponsored by Padded Patella Kneelers. When you pray, make sure you're kneeling on a padded patella kneeler. Today on Prayers of the People Profiles, we're going to look at Prayers of the People Form 3, found on page 387 and 388 of the Book of Common Prayer. Here's a quick rundown of what works and what doesn't in this form, followed by our overall insensual evaluation. What works? First, the phrase, give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight, is absolutely beautiful. Lines like this are the reason we have a prayer book, to pray specifically for things that matter in beautiful language. Hopefully everyone who has ever used Form 3 has these words embedded deeply in their psyche and prays them silently or aloud at some point during the day. Second, this form is quick and to the point. If the sermon's long, or if you've already sung all the verses of St. Patrick's Breastplate and for all the saints, Form 3 prays for all the things that need to be prayed for and offers a fair shot at beating the Methodists to the line at Bob Evans for lunch. What doesn't work? Unfortunately, for the most part, the format. The call and response pattern between reader and people works well if people know the form and have it memorized. Getting into this rhythm isn't hard if a church does this form every week or if it has no visitors. This rhythm won't exist at all, however, if a church uses it only occasionally or does not understand that by the time guests switch from the Nicene Creed on page 358 to page 387, the prayers of the people are already over. Also, pro tip, don't use this form at diocesan picnics with no prayer books or bulletins. Everybody doesn't know it by heart. A good way to determine if a church has achieved a prayerful liturgical rhythm with Form 3 is to ask a nine-year-old what comes after, grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. If they say that your name may be glorified by all people, then you're probably good to go. The other structural issue is the silence at the end, where the rubrics read, people may add their own petitions. A true period of prayerful silence where people focused on their own intercessions would be powerful here. Mostly, however, churches do one of two things that break up the call and response pattern. Some places read the prayer list or lists so that we have a data dump of names of sick people, birthdays, those in the armed forces, and those who are remembered with altar flowers that week. We've just prayed for all those who suffer from any grief or trouble, but now we're back to praying for them again. It's like we're going to go through the entire prayer twice, once according to the form and once according to the parish prayer lists. Other places just open up the silence and people speak out their intentions. This works sometimes, but mostly this means that the people who either feel most comfortable in church or who have the fewest boundaries are the ones who decide to declaim their prayers, and that doesn't promote inclusion of visitors or church growth. Overall, if the prayers of the saints are bowls of incense, what kind of incense would this form be? Form 3 would be the kind of incense that no one has ever heard of because it's made by Orthodox monks that broke away from the rest of Russian Orthodoxy over the way the Tsar was prayed for in 1878. 
A small number of churches send an altar guild representative to the monastery gift shop on Tuesday between 10 a.m. and noon, and they absolutely love it, and it wafts heavenward with a pleasant scent. But the church as a whole probably wouldn't benefit by choosing it regularly. This is Prayers of the People Profiles. Stay tuned for future episodes during the Collect Call. So thank you so much to our good friend Adam Trambley for that amazing piece of journalism. Yeah, I cannot wait to hear about other insensual ratings for the uh, Prayers of the People. <laughs> Be very careful to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hashtag safe church. <laughs> so we have a new segment for you guys. This segment is a work in progress, as are we all. And, and it is called Acknowledgements and Bewailings. And it is a time where both Brendan and I will shout out things that are making us happy and also things that we need to bewail. So, Holly, uh, why don't you start? Uh, What are you going to acknowledge or bewail this week? Okay, well, I have one for each. My acknowledgement is that this past Sunday, um, Presiding Bishop Michael Curry was here in the Diocese of Lexington, and he preached for Pentecost at the cathedral where I'm a member. And, um, you know, I just really appreciate this dude. Like, I just think he's really great. If I can get come across a recording of his sermon, I'll try to tweet it out to you guys, but... Um, it was just inspiring and empowering, and the cathedral was standing room only with 10 minutes left to go before the service started, <laughs> which I've never seen before. Yeah. I am gratefully acknowledging um, Presiding Bishop Curry for his amazing preaching. You know, I hope we as a church don't get to the point where we take his preaching for granted. I Because I'm like, oh yeah, the Presiding Bishop preached an amazing <laughs> right. sermon. Big deal. right. Because it's just, he's just so consistent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, oh, yeah, he hit another home run. Okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like to acknowledge? Well, I want to acknowledge a project that our friend uh, Maria Love Parish is working on. She was recently on an episode of Priest Pulse, uh, another Episcopal podcast, uh, talking about the Grow Christians project, mm-hmm. which is a, a blog that creates resources for uh, families to kind of live out their faith at home. And I've been following Grow Christians since its launch, but there was an attribute of it that I had uh, completely failed to notice that Nuria uh, shouted out in in her interview, which is a section of the website that gives you ideas for celebrating the saints at home. Huh. And so there's some really interesting ideas here. I I found it great that Nuria came up with seven ways to celebrate St. Philip and St. James. And the thing that I remember about our episode a couple years back on St. Philip and St. James was basically that we were like, uh, nobody actually knows who these guys are uh, because there's like somewhere between three and 11 Jameses running around the New Testament. And it's always hard to keep track of who we're talking about. Uh, But but Nuria was like, we know nothing about these guys, but there are still seven ways we can celebrate them. Will you put a link to that in the show notes? 
Absolutely. So it's a really cool resource. Would you like to go ahead and bewail? Yeah, I'm going to keep this fairly brief because it's a bit of a moving target. But I'm going to bewail the sorrow that some of what's going on at the United Methodist uh, Convention is causing me. It's just, as of when we're recording, it looks like we're not having a schism today. But that's a church that seems to be going through a lot of pain right now. And as we've talked about on this show before, uh, Christian disunity is a sin. And I know that's just kind of the way our world is, and that kind of is what it is. But it's just heartbreaking uh, to see what uh, our Methodist friends are going through, and uh, we we should keep them in our prayers. Absolutely. I grew up a United Methodist. I was a United Methodist until I joined the Episcopal Church at 25 and it's just sickening for me I I still have a, a great deal of love and admiration for that church and and I just don't want to see any church go through the kind of pain that our church went through um, so yes definitely um, praying for the United Methodist and for all those who are affected by um, what they're doing at their general conference. Well, Brendan, it's certainly on the same topic uh, and, and at the same level of sadness as yours. Um, my cat Bella keeps pooping outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, it is a problem. <laughs> she is old, she's 13, and it's not like she's not getting to the box because she poops right in front of it. No matter if I've scooped it, um, cleaned it out, I took it outside a few, to, like over the weekend, and like scrubbed it all out, put all fresh litter in it. Two hours later, big old turd in front of the box. <laughs> and I am really annoyed. So if anybody out there has any <laughs> anything to assist my bewailing, I would be very <laughs> happy to hear it. Also, hashtag cat disclaimer. Hashtag cat disclaimer. Man. Yeah, that's totally worth bewailing, Holly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your sympathy. Please keep me and Bella in your prayers. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we close out, we have a few announcements. Some very exciting announcements, in fact. Uh, the first one is the collect call is hiring. Can you believe it? Have you ever thought of a better dream job than this? It, it would be the collect calls veterinarian. That's that's <laughs> what we're hiring for. <laughs> and believe me, you would keep yourself busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually looking to hire someone to assist us with our editing. As you may or may not know, um, Brendan is our fearless editor, and it is a time-consuming task. So we're looking to outsource that a little bit. We're, we're still trying to put together what this is going to look like. Uh, so we're open to uh, creative suggestions from anybody who might be interested in this gig. Uh, but we are looking for a mix of technical qualifications as well as actual personal interest in uh, what we're doing. So this is a paying gig. Uh, send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8movement.org uh, if you're interested or you know somebody who might be. Uh, and let's talk about this. 
Yes, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Well, and I'm also hopeful that if we don't hear from anybody from this episode, uh, I am going to be at the E-Formation Conference at Virginia Theological Seminary uh, from June 6th through the 8th. And A, uh, if you have not registered for that conference, you should, because there is an awesome lineup. I I'm going to be there, um, but right. also Henry Love Parish is going to be there. Scott Gunn's going to be there. Lori Brock will be there. Uh, Alberto Cutier is going to be there. There's a whole huge lineup of great people who are going to be really interesting to see, and you should totally go. You can find out more about the conference at eformationvts.org. Uh, I'm anticipating that some of the people attending that conference might be interested in this kind of editing thing, so uh, if you see me there, uh, come say hi. Go ahead and tweet me your selfies with Brendan because I'll be feeling very sad as I cannot attend due to traveling to the next executive council meeting, which is going to be in Minnesota. So, Holly does the important stuff and I do the fun stuff. (sighs) Bummer. Yeah. (laughs) The last thing is that we are now accepting submissions for the show. As you've heard, we've changed up the format a little bit. So if you have uh, a musical submission, if you found uh, something that makes sure it's appropriately licensed for us to use, or if you've got your own creation that you'd like for us to use during a musical break please uh, email us or if you'd like to pitch us a little segment much like adam did during this episode please email us with that as well we are certainly open to it we want this show to be crowdsourced as much as possible and and we would love to hear your thoughts yep the episcopal church has talent (laughs) and we are not simon cowell yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait is he on that show I think so. Or like the Britain's Got Talent one. Yeah, whatever. I I think I'm kind of Paula Abdul, probably. (laughs) You are totally Paula Abdul. I don't know who I am. Maybe I'm like the season that Britney Spears was on American Idol. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was that a thing that happened? That was the only, like, like I seriously watched it just for that. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that. How was it? Um, not great. It mm. was it was post her um, breakdown, and she was trying to kind of get back into the public eye. So they had her as a judge on American Idol. Okay. So yeah. Pray for God Brittany, bless, y'all. God bless Brittany, and thank you for restoring her to her glory. Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 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 Well, if you would like to find us on the interwebs and send us tweets about cats or Britney Spears or whatever, uh, you can do that on Twitter at The Collect Call, uh, or you can send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8movement.org. And you can find our parent organization, who is now looking at us like surly teenagers, (laughs) at Axe8Movement on Twitter or on Facebook, and at Axe8Movement.org on the internet. And um, we are... And by we, I mean I, am very excited to tell you that uh, we are getting ready to launch a monthly newsletter and uh so and what are we using to do that holly mailcamp (laughs) (laughs) like no one other than the people in the serial mailchimp commercial have ever been this excited about (laughs) but i really love them they're a great product and i am 
using them to bring some delightfulness into your email inbox. So uh, stay tuned for, for more on that and how to subscribe. And we want to thank Adam Trambley for his segment. We'll be hearing more from him over the uh, over the summer as uh, he gets through all of the prayers of the people in the Book of Common Prayer. Adam is uh, the convener of the Acts 8 movement. He is also rector of St. John's Episcopal Church in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And most importantly, if you are in the Sharon, Pennsylvania metropolitan region and you need a pothole filled, Adam Trambley is your man. He is the vice president of the Sharon... He is also an established ballerino. <laughs> As I started to say that, I realized I don't know what you call a male ballerina. Yeah, let's go with ballerino. I think that works. I think so, too. You're welcome, Adam. <laughs> Anyway, you can find Adam uh, on Twitter at Adam Trambley, uh, or you can find his blog um, at adamtrambley.blogspot.com. Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, because some things are just too good to change. It's distributed under a Creative Commons license, and you can find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And you can join us next week when we're going to be talking about Proper 4. Yay, I've missed you guys so much! Woohoo! See you then! Let our mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded for with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to